Everybody, you're listening to Cinema Parlor here. I'm Nolan Tuck. I'm Stacy Glover. Stacy, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, dude? Doing good. What are we uh, discussing here, Stacy? We are talking about Cobra and Commando. I think quintessential '80s films. I'm pumped to talk about it. I know you are. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, first things first. What are you drinking today? I am drinking Elysian. I think that's how you say it. Elysian Night Owl Pumpkin Ale. Um, it's a newer fall release. I'm going to say it's one of the better pumpkin beers I've had. Very nice. It looks good. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. I tried, uh, last night I had Dogfish Head's new uh, pumpkin uh, beer for the for the season, and it was tasty as well. Is that a different release than they typically come out with? Uh, or is I, it the same? I feel like it's the same. It said pump, pumpkin? Pumpkin? I don't know. It, it's really good. It has, you know, those, those good spices. Yeah. Hints of sweet in there. Oh, well, I saw good. that, um... Was it Voodoo Ranger? Yeah. Is that the new Belgium? Yep. They've got like a, an Imperial Pumpkin thing nice. out now that's supposed to be pretty decent. Why not for some trashy cinema? That's so right. I'm just drinking a nice uh, Miller Lite from the fine folks in Milwaukee. Let's get into it. So our first film we will be talking about it's is? A, uh, Cobra. It's from 1986. It's uh, directed by George P. Uh, Cosmatis, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he is probably most famous for directing Tombstone. Of oh, course, wow. If, if you believe the stories, which is kind of funny because there's similarities between this and Tombstone, is that uh, he's kind of a fill-in director where the actors direct the films. Because rumor is that Kurt Russell directed most of Tombstone. Right. And there's... Strong rumors that Stallone was mostly the director on Cobra and George was just around. Now, I'm not giving any validity to that because I don't know. But um, Well, to, to, to go with that, it also seems that uh, this man also directed Rambo Part 2. Oh, did he? The uh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah. And also, I've never seen this one, but I've heard people talk about it. 1989's Leviathan. Oh, dude, Leviathan's awesome. Okay. Yeah, Leviathan's really good. Man, you haven't seen that movie? I have not. It's a weird, good movie. So, some interesting uh, filmography from this man. Yeah, so so that's interesting. So, with him doing Rambo 2, that's probably how he got the Cobra job. Uh, Rambo 2 is actually pretty fun, stupid. Another thing, I have not seen any of the Rambos except the last one that was made in like 2008 9 yeah uh, first blood's actually a decent movie it's uh it's about like a vietnam vet coming home and how shitty we are to them mm-hmm. and he just kind of uses those skills to uh terrorize a town kind of okay it, it's a weird dark movie that's not typical of it, it feels more like a 70s drama than it does you know like 80s action film and rambo 2 is just crazy i think james cameron wrote the script he goes back to save all the POWs and Rambo three, the best, the best of them. No, it's the worst Rambo. Oh, okay. All right. But it's the best in that Rambo joins the Taliban to fight the Russians oh, yes. in the middle East. All right. To save the Colonel. 
I'm pretty sure like him and like 50 dudes on a camel ride to like take on a tank. (laughs) (laughs) These sound like movies I need to see. Yeah. So anyway, back to Cobra. So Cobra stars Stallone as Marion Coletti. Yeah. He's a detective known as the Cobra. The Cobra. And then um, your second star would be uh, the the femme fatale, Bridget Nielsen. Right. Uh, she plays a lady named Ingrid, who is a model. As you said, did you? I don't know if you said this, Stallone wrote the screenplay? Yeah. So it's actually based off of a book called Fair Game. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the screenplay with, I guess, the book kind of being maybe like a like a inspiring it or something. And I, I probably read this on like Wikipedia or IMDb or something in the trivia section. So who knows if it's true, but he wanted to take credit for writing the book (laughs) and attach his name to the book. And the person's like, no, you can't do that. And they re like, they actually made a movie off the book called fair game. And, uh, that's from the early nineties. It's not good. So let's uh, let's get into Cobra. How? Uh, tell me about your. Um, well, first off, first things first. Let me do a plot synopsis like I've been doing lately. Yeah. From the Letterboxed app. This is real short and quick, like the movie. <laughs> Crime is a disease. Meet the cure. All in caps. Uh huh. A tough on crime street cop must protect the only surviving witness to a strange murderous cult with far-reaching plans. Yeah, I mean, that sort of covers it. That's the movie. Yeah, I guess. That's not bad. <laughs> yeah. I really like the opening to this film. It's so, so stupid, but awesome. You have this crazy dude go into a grocery store and take a hostage. It says he has a bomb and stuff. And he just starts shooting produce. And <laughs> and it's Christmas time in California. Yeah. That so doesn't the- really matter. For the overall movie, I don't think. But it's a Christmas movie, right? <laughs> it is right? Christmas movie, yeah. yeah. So, this dude's just killing produce and stuff, and cops are getting nervous. Um, the detective that kind of battles with the Cobra on a, um, you know, you know how they do their jobs, uh, that dude, I can't think of his name, but he's the, uh, he's like the dad uncle from Hellraiser. Yes, he's in Hellraiser. Uh, if you give me, if you keep talking it, and I will find yeah. his name. So... Anyways, they're like, oh, we got to call the Cobra. So then it's like Stallone driving in on his car and the uh, like the license plate says like awesome something. It is. I wrote it down. <laughs> awesome 50. Awesome 50. By the way, Andrew Robinson is that man's name. Yeah. So Hellraiser dad. Yes. Which he's, he's fine in the movie. Sure. Nice bit part. But um, so the Cobra comes in to the grocery store he does all sorts of nonsense. This is, like, such a silly scene. Like, he's taking cover, and he drinks, like, a hot Coors. Yeah. So and then <laughs> throws it to That's get, right. like... But here's the thing. He throws it to get the attention of the guy, but it just brings the attention to where he's at. So it's like, why did you do that? And then he just pops out of the door... He says the tagline that's on the poster that was in the the descriptor of the movie. Um, it's like, you're the disease and I'm, and I'm the, the cure. cure. That's right. And they have this like standoff thing going. You know, the Cobra, like, he just takes his knife and throws it in the dude's chest and then shoots him a bunch. Yeah. 
It's awesome. It, the, like, the opening is really cool. It's For me, it's the best part of the movie. Yeah, it is. The so, movie never gets as good as the first ten minutes. For this opening act, here's what I had to, had down in my notes. Okay. I had Awesome 50 <laughs> license plate, and then I had a LOL because I actually laughed out loud. Yeah. Next, product placement. Uh-huh. A lot of it. Coors Banquet and Pepsi. Yep. So you have a huge Pepsi sign, and there's Pepsi all over. And then you see Stallone just busting open a Coors Banquet. Reminded me a lot of uh, <laughs> of uh, Transformers 4 when Marky Mark opens up a Bud Light. In the yeah. Middle of- <laughs> Man. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I love that. It just opens up a hot Coors, like uh-huh. I said, just downs it and he's ready to oh. go. And then my favorite line of the opening. Stallone looks at the man. The man goes, I'll blow this whole place up. And Stallone goes, go ahead. I don't shop here. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> the Like, I feel like this movie is what people think of when they think 80s action movies. Mm-hmm. It's so stupid and awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that opening. And another thing that's happening during the opening that happens to the rest of the film and they never explain it. There's cuts to this cult in a room right. that's like... Like it's kind of like an underground tunnel. Yeah, it's like a tunnel or a boiler room mm-hmm. or something. Uh, it it is shot kind of like an '80s music video with like the camera spinning above them and stuff. And they're just clapping axes together. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like you never see them use axes or no. anything. Yep, they're just just clapping weapons together. You know, and it's shot in a way that like me as the viewer, I'm thinking like, okay, so. We're going to end up in a standoff in this cult hideout where they're slapping axes together Mm -hmm. and having, you know, their cult offs. And that never happens. There's no (laughs) there's no takedown of the cult headquarters. Yeah. No. 100 percent. Missed moment. Yes. Um, So after we get this great opening, the next scene I want to hit. Yeah. After this, we get introduced to Bridget Nielsen's character. Well, there's something before that that I want to talk about. And I do need... A quick aside for the origin thing, because okay. I think it's worth noting. So, did you know that this was going to be just a canon movie? Mm-hmm. It, it was Sorry, Globus, Bro- Globus Brothers. Is that their name? Yeah, I did see Canon Presents. So, Canon yes. like was gonna. I think they backed the movie or whatever, and Warner Brothers just straight out bought it from them because they're like, "This is going to be a monster hit." Because you know, at that time, Stallone I think was coming off his best year. He had Rambo 2 and Rocky 4 in the same year. Oh, man. Rocky 4? Yeah, Rocky 4 and it, Rambo 2. came out before? Yeah, they came out in 85. Oh, so, you, you Rambo 2 was like a surprise big hit. You know, and I mean, he was already a superstar by this point, but it was a like big hit. And then Rocky 4, I think, might be one of the highest grossing ones in the franchise. So basically what you're telling me is Cobra is a sequel to Rocky IV. No. And Rocky IV's character no. becomes Cobra, and he hooks up with Bridget Nilsson, no. who is the widow to Yvonne Durago because he dies somehow in the Russian Cold War. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. During Rocky IV, Stallone gets married with Bridget Nilsson. They're married for like two or three years. She gets cast in all the stuff that he's in. <laughs> Because they can bone on set in between takes. Okay, fair enough. That's all it is. Fine. That doesn't even make sense. I, I liked my take. I thought it was hot. Cobra, better sequel to Rocky Four than Rocky Five is. True statement. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so 
I, I interrupted you. Um, there's a thing that I really like that's so stupid. Um, <laughs> so when he comes home after this, like, shootout in the grocery store. Yep. He, he goes and puts on his TV. He gets pizza out. And yep. he cuts it with scissors. That's right. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird. That was weird. He cuts a piece of the pizza off with scissors and then eats the little piece of pizza. Yep, just tiny little triangles. If you want to be a good uh, agent, do that with your pizza. Yeah. So, and man, this movie, like, it, it's like he wanted to make Dirty Harry, which is so weird because, like, he already was in a movie like this called Nighthawks mm-hmm. that had a little bit, like, it's a better movie, but it, it was like a detective thing. Okay. Another one I have not seen. Yeah. It, it's pretty cool. Rucker Howard's his first American role. Okay. I think Billy D. Williams is his partner. But, uh, yeah, it's, like, this movie's, like, hardcore, like, Dirty Harry with the, like, fascist politics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, this movie. Uh, Nighthawks is way right. better. Okay. All but, right. Yeah. What were you going to say, man? Okay. I'm, so, I'm yeah. So, after, after this, uh, we get uh, introduced to Bridget Nielsen's character. And one of the best montages I have seen in quite some time. Uh-huh. So... In this movie, Bridget Nielsen is a model, correct? That's yeah. That's supposed to take from that? Uh, the song that's playing is Angel of the City? Yes. So, during this song, we get her modeling uh-huh. with a bunch of robots. But the way it's cut, mm-hmm. they don't show her until a good way into the montage. That's true. So, it's like Stallone is like investigating and going to like whorehouses and all these mm-hmm. things. And... You just see cuts of robots. Like, it's just, like, cutting to robot faces. And then we see Bridget Nielsen about, what, 45 seconds into this montage? That's right. So, like, at the beginning of this montage, like, did you know what was happening? I Were you just not. like, did you think the cult was using robots? I was very confused about the robots. <laughs> but, one more quick side-off tangent, real uh-huh. quick. It makes perfect sense why she would choose Stallone after Rocky IV uh-huh. because he loves robots in the opening of Rocky IV. <laughs> Happy birthday, Polly. So, the robot connection just backs up my theory. Okay. That's my that's the end of my side tangent. Anyway, montage <laughs> robots with Bridget Nielsen trying to be sexy around these weird-looking robots is tops. I loved it. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I want to talk about... Um, the thing I like about this movie, the guy's name is Brian Thompson, and he plays the Night Slasher. Yep. Do you recognize this man? He looked familiar. It. I'm probably going to say something. No, I'm probably wrong. So, uh, no. I, I, I recognized him, but I don't know who he was. Okay, so he plays Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, wow. Okay. But even better, he is a bit player on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he's, he oh, plays like two different characters. He's a, uh, I don't know if you remember. I remember him now in his vampire face. Yes. Yeah. He's a vampire in one of the episodes. And another episode, he's like the giant like judge thing that they put together when Angel turns evil. Oh, wow. And then she blows it up with yeah. a bazooka. You remember that? I do. Yeah. He's that. Okay. He's got a really like recognizable face. It is very much recognizable. I think it's the lips and the eyes. Yeah. And he's got like these really like, jagged bone structure. Mm-hmm. Why was he not a bigger deal? Like, he's good in the movie. He is good. He's in, he's, like, decent bad guy. Yeah. So, but then I think I wrote down, uh-huh. we'll get into this here while I'm talking about it, but, like, it, 
it was kind of a it's a weird mashup of genres in this movie. Yeah. So you get action and horror. Mm-hmm. And like the a lot of like the middle of the movie is has a lot of horror elements because this guy's going around like and his group and they're like picking up ladies and just killing them yeah. in a slasher like you know kind of form and it's very interesting. But anyway, off your take there. He is very much like a menacing figure in the way they film him. You know, he looks pretty scary. Yeah, I really like, um, so I guess just to let the audience know what, you know, plot stuff, story stuff. Um, Bridget Nielsen, after this robot photo shoot, Angel of the City's playing. She, the director of the photo shoot's trying to have sex with her in yeah. the parking garage. That's right. Yeah. And she's like, no, no. And the Night Stalkers gang or Night Stabber Slasher. Yeah, the, the Night Slasher. Night Slasher. He and his gang attack her, and she ends up living. So that's, like, what launches the movie. That's, you know, that's the focus of the film from then on out, as the synopsis reads. Uh, <laughs> so she ends up in a hospital, and Stallone, the Cobra, has to watch over her with his partner. And I really like the segment in the hospital where the Night Slasher goes there and Bridget Nielsen's hiding in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And he's like punching through the door. That's right. I like that shot. That's over. Yeah, that's actually you know, a decent shot. And sure. it's like his arms in there, kind of slashing around. Right. And she, you know, here's what I think. When I was watching this movie, I felt like, man, Bridget Nielsen got famous five years too late mm-hmm. because couldn't we have had a wonderful early '80s, like 1980 to '82 run of her as a screen queen? Yeah. I think she would have been great at it. I think she would have, too. Mm-hmm. That sequence is really good. She definitely should have been in a, a uh, Halloween sequel. Yeah. Yeah. She was really... Yeah. Yeah. Really that, good stuff. Yeah, that's a cool part of the movie. So, um, any other thoughts on... What do you think about the car chase? Is that the first use of nitrous in a film? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Stallone's car is pretty cool. I mean, it's old and, you know... But it, it's a cool car. Um, but... The car chase was ridiculous. It and was I ridiculous. Laughed very hard during most of it. It's just mostly them going over bumps and like landing hard, <laughs> and yeah. things would just explode. Just yes, just random explosions. Um, pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, <laughs> none of this. We're kind of talking around like action scenes and stuff, but really, this movie. That's all it is. There's not really much thread co- connecting anything. It's, uh, from my understanding, the movie is supposed to be like over two hours and they thought it was going to bomb. So they cut like 30 or 40 minutes out of the movie <laughs> and it feels like it. It feels like a TV cut of a movie. Yeah. And it, on the positive end, it goes by super fast. It's yeah. It's not like, a good movie. It's 87 minutes. We haven't talked a lot about the action scenes. From my point of view, I thought they were badly constructed, uh-huh. terribly edited, and yeah. bad spatial awareness. That being said, I enjoyed myself while watching them. Right. They're just not shot well. <laughs> Here's the thing, and we're going to get to this for the next movie for sure, but there's a thing that happens in this movie. I think it's when the attack on the hospital happens, because Cobra is away from the hospital, and he's got to get to the hospital, and thugs attack him. Yep. And he shoots a dude on a stairwell, and the dude falls off. I really like it in action movies where someone gets shot up high, and they fall off. Mm-hmm. And you just get that, yeah, that and was then that satisfying, movie. like, thud. Yeah. I love that in movies. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Okay, so, as we've talked about, um, Bridget Nielsen, 
uh, ends up being stalked. Yeah. By these, um, this this group here, and mainly the slasher boy, because she's driving by one night and she sees uh, this pe- these people. Yeah. Um, actually, pick up a girl and kill her. Now uh-huh. she doesn't see the girl get killed, but she sees the aftermath. Right. So now these people are after her. Correct. Mm-hmm. So she ends up uh, being chased by them. Um, she gets uh, saved. She gets sent to a hospital because she gets in- injured. Uh huh. And some police are there to look after her, right? Yes. Well, we find out that a woman in the police department is a bad cop, and she is actually um, working with the the killer and his team here. The axe clapping. The axe clapping gang. Yes, axe axe clapping gang. <laughs> That's funny to say. <laughs> uh, so so that leads to the stalker man coming into the hospital. Uh huh. And like you said, there's that whole scene. Well, she escapes that as well. We end up having this car chase like we talk about. Yeah. After this car chase, uh, Stallone decides to take her to a kind of a place of safety, so they think, in like a country setting. Yeah, it's like a safe house type of thing, just getting away. Just a quick aside, what do you think of his wardrobe? Oh, he looks good, man. Okay, I think he looks good, but the coat is really bad. I don't like the overcoat. Like, it, it's weird. And another thing he does in this movie a lot, there's a lot of weird posing. He does a lot of, like, holding the gun up. That's true. And, like, turning while holding the gun up. I love, as far, I mean, he looks like <clears throat> a sexy man in this movie. He's like, attractive, yeah. He, he's definitely on top of his game. But I agree with some of the goofiness that you speak of. Uh huh. But as far as just in general, he's pretty badass. I dig it. Yeah. No, yeah, it's a good look. I like the Henley. You know. Yeah, but I I, I get what you're saying. The gloves coat, for sure. It's uh yeah, he is uh, definitely ready for a biker gang, and just a kill. So they they end up at this like hotel. Him, his partner, and then this lady cop who's evil. So they're at the hotel. Then, like, the obligatory romance happens, which... Are are you disappointed that we didn't get a trashy sex scene? Oh, 100%. It made it seem like we were. Maybe that's more of a 90s action movie thing. I don't know, because, you know... It felt like we were going to get some, like, some slow music with some, like, weird editing and some side shots of some side boob and maybe some man butt. I was I was ready, man. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Just the complete nothing, you know? That's okay though. Which, you know, sometimes that's just how it goes. So, the gang comes to this hotel and they have like a big shootout. His partner gets shot in the leg and that like looks awesome when it happens. That's like true. his knee gets blown out. Very cool. Um Stallone kills, like, what, 80 people in this movie? At least. They just surround this place they're staying at, and you just have waves and waves of bad guys on motorcycles uh-huh. just coming in, uh, and, yeah, just Stallone just goes full bore, just destroying them all. With these motorcycles, I do like the part in the, the siege where the, like, dirt bike driver just goes through the door. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you just drive through the door? Yeah. Like that, that was good. Mm-hmm. Here's something I'm disappointed in. During all those chases, why didn't they have axes? Oh, for sure. Somebody, like, how cool would it have been? Motorcycle guy driving by with an axe swinging at him. They should have, at worst, all had axes, like, on their back strapped yeah. to them. Like, they just take them out. And, you know, because if you have guns, you know, I get it. 
you know? But the show the axes beforehand, it needed a payoff with the axes. I agree. There was no payoff to the axes. So they go through this, well, it's like a cornfield or something? Yeah, go through a cornfield. Or, yeah, end up in like an industrial kind of building. They, yeah, end up industrial building where we get the final showdown uh, between, uh, you know, we've got Stallone, we got Nielsen, and we've got um, our two main bad guys. Yeah, the Night Slasher and then that lady cop. Yeah, which, you know, it's... Uh, she dies pretty fast. Surprisingly. Yeah. Well, you think she does, I guess. Yeah, she jumps up at the end. Because <laughs> he's just going to straight up shoot him. Yeah. And then uh, you get this kind of one-on-one with Stallone and the Slasher Man, which I'm doing a terrible job of... I should have probably said his name, um, if I could find it. Oh, uh, Night Slash... Are you looking for the actor's name? Yes. Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. And so Thompson and Stallone have a nice duel between each other, and it lasts a couple good minutes, you know? Well, okay... Let's talk about the setup to that and maybe, like, the politics of this movie. Okay. So, the Night Slasher, he just, he talks like, well, you know, you're going to arrest me because that's what you do. You're a cop and that's your job. Calls him a pig. Yeah. It's like, you're going to arrest me and I'm going to go to jail, but I'm going to say I'm crazy and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be let loose, and I'm going to do this all over again, (laughs) and the system doesn't work, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And Stallone is just like, just, no, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, he's going to shoot him, Mm -hmm. and the lady attacks him. And the movie, throughout the whole thing, it's very heavy on, like, Stallone's tactics are, you got to shoot the bad guys because they're bad guys, and the justice system doesn't work, and all this stuff. And it's very much in line with, like, Dirty Harry Death Wish, Type stuff. Now, for me, I find these movies entertaining. I am not offended by their politics. I, I, I think you know they are a little bit on the nose on that stuff. But if you think about when they were made and like what was going on, especially like those New York movies from that time where crime was so rampant, right? Like, I understand the feeling of wanting to take justice into your own hands and stuff. Obviously, that doesn't look good today. Right. But I think if you just look at these movies from, like, an entertainment standpoint, they are very entertaining. Yeah, for what, sure. what are your thoughts on this? Do you get offended by stuff like this? Like, I wouldn't do you... say I was offended. I would. I think this is actually... I don't know if... You may disagree. I think this is kind of a, a right-leaning film, to be honest. Oh, um, it is. And, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I don't get offended because you're talking to someone who enjoys Michael Bay films, and I think Bay is very much a right cited filmmaker as well. So, I mean, these don't offend me, but I definitely, you know, it's something to, to think about for sure when watching them. <laughs> like, do you, cause think, I do not share the same thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that way, but at the same time, I think it's weird that people get offended by stuff like that. Sure. Like no, I, I know dirty Harry was a big, like hubaloo, whenever it came out that, you know, there were certain writers, you know, on the coast right. and stuff that were saying it was fascist and right. Like, right-wing, left-wing, these are movies. There are, if I like the movie, I like the movie. Yeah. It does not matter to me. It's it's a piece of art, and it kind of just infuriated me, to be honest. Yeah, like, people not being open-minded to... I, I mean, I guess there's one thing where it's, like, weird propaganda shit, where, like, some of these documentaries that are coming out, like the... like. Like the Barack Obama 2016 thing that was like, oh, the world's going to burn down and stuff. Sure. And 
I, I think we're getting a lot of that stuff now with like some of these like Christian films that right Christianity against the government, like right. how the government's trying to like take away their rights or something. And it's this is silly. And the fact of the matter is, you know, these are all movies where it's their right to yeah. show what they want to show, right? And to say what they want to say. But it's all right, you know, not to agree with it. But like we can also enjoy a movie. Uh, even if we don't agree with its tactics. I didn't have a problem with its politics. Well, he needed to shoot that guy. He did need to shoot that guy. And, you know, <laughs> I, I need, do you think the Terminator 2 aped the ending of this movie? <laughs> Possibly. You know, like, you think James Cameron saw this movie and he mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah. I, like Cobra. Yeah, I got to set my ending mm-hmm. for my action film in an industrial right. factory. Count it. Probably not, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all right, man. So, what did you think of this movie? So, okay. I'm going to be harsh on this movie, but with a caveat. You should watch this movie uh-huh. because it's entertaining. It's a bad movie. I gave it one star on my letterbox, or one and a half, something like that. But I thought it's, it's, it's not a great movie. It's not a great made movie, but it's entertaining. And if you're looking for just a fun thing to watch to pass time or just a, you know... Just be entertained. You should watch Cobra. Yeah, I think I gave it like two stars of a thing. I, it, it's not a good movie. It is definitely below average, but it is very entertaining and worth a watch. I'm I am definitely not bummed that I watched it. Yeah. One last thing, I didn't get to say this. This is this will be my last words for the movie. Okay. There's a scene uh, before the hotel scene where Bridget Nielsen. And Stallone are at a diner together. Uh huh. She gets a basket of fries. Oh. She puts <laughs> so much ketchup in those fries. Yeah. I think she was eating more ketchup than fries. She. <laughs> That's so funny. Um. Yeah. She holds that ketchup bottle because he goes <laughs> to the jukebox and like tries to play a song or something, and it, it's probably what like twenty seconds, and she's got a ketchup bottle the whole time, right. squirting <laughs> in real time. And then it cuts to a close-up of her, and she's still yep. squirting the ketchup bottle. Now, at least Stallone recognizes it. He's like, you drown those fries? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the fries just look like normal fries. That's true. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, yeah, she used that whole freaking bottle. I just wanted to point that out. All right. So, our second film that we'll be discussing, discussing today is... 1985's Commando. Directed by Mark Lester. He uh, he did Firestarter. That's probably his biggest movie outside of Commando. And then also Class of 84 mm-hmm. and its sequel. I think Class of 99. Okay. Uh, also looks like he did Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yes. With Brandon Lee. One of the few movies that Brandon Lee was in. All right. Um, so let's do a little film synopsis real quick, huh? Somewhere. Somehow. Someone's going to pay. (laughs) John Matrix, the former leader of a special commando strike force that always got the toughest jobs done, is forced back into action when his young daughter is kidnapped. To find her, Matrix has to fight his way through an array of punks, killers, one of his former commandos, and a fully equipped private army. With the help of a feisty stewardess and an old friend, Matrix has only a few hours to overcome his greatest challenge, finding his daughter before she's killed. That's a good synopsis, That man. is a good synopsis. The story for this movie is originally conceived as, like, 
kind of like a war drama written by Jeff Loeb. Uh, oh, wow. You're familiar with his work. Oh, yeah. He's a comic book writer. Uh, he he writes uh, like Batman Long Halloween, Hush. Yeah. Um, he, he's actually prolific in the comic world. I love his work. You know, he uh, typically works with Tim Sale, the artist. But he, he wrote the first draft of this. And it's funny, uh, the special features, you know, we watched a few of those. And he's like, this is the movie I wrote. And that is not what they made. <laughs> so he does get story credit, but that is not what he wrote. All right. um, but it's also credited to Matt Wiseman and Steven D'Souza. And Steven D'Souza also wrote the screenplay. And also looking at his credits, he wrote, uh, it looks like 48 Hours, another 48 okay. Hours. Uh, Die Hard seems to be like the best movie that he wrote. Very so nice. that would be his crowning okay. achievement, I'd say. Very cool. But, he, um, uh, he loved his act, 80s action movies. Dude, he wrote so many of them. Okay. Um, so we've got uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a character named John Matrix. Yes. What do you think of that name? I love it. That's a strong name. Whose family name is Matrix? Matrix. I don't know, but I'd like to meet him. Yeah, it, it's great. And then his daughter, named Jenny, is played by Alyssa Milano, who you may know from TV's Charmed or some like early 90s, you know, Skinamax type movies. Yes. yes. Uh, Poison Ivy 2. Great oh, film. Man. Okay. How about that? Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, <laughs> and then, as you said, he teams up with... Do you want to go down the characters first or do you want to go like yeah, as we go? We can do the characters if you want. Man. All right, That's man. Fine. So this movie actually has a ton of awesome people in it. That's right. So the stewardess that helps him, Cindy, uh, played by Ray Don Chong, uh, she is in Tells from the Dark Side and a bunch of other like awesome 80s movies. Yes. But I really like Tells from the Dark Side. Uh, you should check that out. Uh, Bennett, who is the main villain yep. in the movie, he uh, he's played by Vernon Wells, who looks really out of shape in this movie. <laughs> But uh, he is, like, the head biker after Lord Humongous and Road Warrior. Yep. Right? The Mohawk guy. Yep. And then, you know, we've got, uh, as the henchman, we've got a guy named Cook, played by Bill Duke. Oh, yeah. The great Bill Duke, man. So, he is one of my favorite just bit actors. Every time I see him in a movie, I get pumped. He's in uh, Paul Schrader's American Gigolo. In a large part, he's really good in the movie. And uh, also, he's probably the best character in Predator. Now, how about this? I've just noticed Mr. Bill Duke Mm -hmm. is going to be in some part of the upcoming Nicolas Cage movie, Mandy. Oh, hey, that's exciting. Bill Duke's awesome. And then we've got Sally, played by David Patrick Kelly. And then, uh, yeah, I don't have who who played the... uh, I'm also going to mention uh, Mr. Dan Hyeda. Yeah. Who plays uh, Arius in this movie. He is like the, I guess he is the, the boss, like criminal boss, maybe. Yeah, he's the guy who kind of puts things in motion. He's technically like the main bad guy, but. Bennett's it, our main ad- <coughs> adversary. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. How do you want to go about this? How do you want to start this commando talk here, Stacy? Well, Arnold. Your introduction to Arnold in the movie, he's carrying a tree. Yes. It's a log that's the size of a tree, and then you get a montage of him hanging out with his daughter. And we see a lot of Arnold in his sweating body. Yeah. And I wrote down this literally drips of male masculinity. Right. As we start the film. Right after that, 
Then we start seeing a different side of Arnold, uh-huh. which I find interesting. You see him with his kid, and then you see him eat ice cream together. Right. They feed a deer together. That's so silly. <laughs> and uh, it's very funny, but I also think it's a good starting point on uh, how this movie kind of plays with male masculinity and gender roles to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And I find that interesting. Well, he is the... I mean, he is the only parent to her. Yes. So he kind of has to play both parts. Indeed. It's it's a good opening. I'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, sure. it, it's interesting. Um, a, a cool thing about the movie, when Arnold read the script, he said he was interested in it because it wasn't like his other things. He wasn't, you know, dumb and silent. He wasn't a caveman. You know, he liked that he had a family, like a daughter, mm-hmm. and that he was a warm, like, a parent. Like an actual human being at yeah. the beginning of the movie who's driven to do these things. Yeah, I think that's... I think that's interesting. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, okay, so like we said, um, we get this great opening scene, and then we're kind of just, boom, thrown right into the movie. Yeah, I, I guess, should we talk about the setup to, before the opening scene? There's, yeah, that'd be uh, fine. So, Bill Duke and, like, a bunch of the henchmen are murdering people who used to be team members of Arnold. That's right. They're on his commando team. And Bennett used to be a team member, and Bennett is supposedly murdered on a boat. Yes. But it's a frame job. It's a frame job. Bennett is not dead. Which, what is the point in all that? I didn't find one. Okay, because there's no build to it. You see that Bennett gets blown up on a boat, and then it cuts to this uh, montage that's wonderful. And then you have General Kirby fly in. That's right. Um, Something about General Kirby. It really bothered me. He was wearing like a weird department store name tag. Did Mm -hmm. you notice that? I did notice that. Like, why? (laughs) That's not... From what I can tell, like, military regalia, like, that's not it, is it? Mm. It it seemed like somebody just... I don't believe so. Just made that and just popped it on Hey, this will look good on you, man. Yeah, it didn't. It was bad. So General Kirby comes in and tells John Matrix, like, hey, your team's being killed. And he from the setup, it looks like uh, John Matrix and his daughter are kind of like they're in seclusion because he's hiding from this past. Yeah. You know, it's like a witness protection program going on. And it looked like everybody else in his party, you know, when they're killed during this montage, were just living very boring, normal lives. Yeah, for sure. Just going about life, man. So... You know, he, he's like, these guys are going to find you. I don't know why people are killing, but this is going to happen. And immediately after General Kirby leaves, you know, it happens. Boom. Ambush. Yeah. Yep. They were just hiding out in the bushes. Dude. Ready to go. So General Kirby leaves two soldiers there. there. It cuts to, like, Arnold's face, and he sniffs the air. And then, like, that's when the mayhem happens. And he tells a soldier after the soldier's been shot and stuff, and they're like, it's a little downtime during the shooting. And he's like, How did you know they're coming? It's like, I could smell them. They were downwind. <laughs> like, he smells them, man. He smells that's so them. ridiculous. There's a lot of good lines that yeah. Arnold says in this movie. Yes. And so, uh, you know, Arnold knew they were there. He was ready, but he could not save his daughter from being kidnapped. Yeah, he, ha- he has this shed with all these, like, military grade weapons. He comes in. Bursts into his daughter's room to save her. And one of my favorite parts of the movie, this guy is sitting in a chair and he's explaining Arnold, like, this is what's happening. And (laughs) he's like, you're going to cooperate, right? 
Wrong. Wrong. And then shoots the dude in the face. Yeah. So I think what, what made me laugh the most of that is that for some reason that man thought that he was going to get out of there alive. Why would he think that? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> How did that job get chosen? Like, did they draw straws? Yeah, it was it was a bad, bad choice. I mean, that's a suicide mission. Man. Right. I mean... I don't even understand how he thought if he had no purpose other right. than to just, you know, move the story along to tell you what's happening. Yeah. Because where was he going to go? Everybody else left. Yeah. He was just there. Like, <laughs> it didn't look like there was a vehicle left behind. Like, was Arnold going to drive him into town? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, you know, maybe the guy was. Come with me. You maybe know? he was supposed to actually be the one that leads him to the airport. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever it was, it was a bad... It was it was bad. But was obviously bad that was... They knew that was going to happen because of what happens later. That's right. So... <laughs> the guy gets shot in the face. Arnold pushes his truck into neutral. Yes. And it just goes down hills forever. I just have written down Arnold driving his truck. Hilarious. It is really funny because... It looks like they do the thing that they do in movies to save money where they do a shot and then they'll reverse the shot. Hmm. Did you notice when Arnold gets hit by the tree limb? Do they show that again? <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I love just seeing his body bouncing. His body's in bouncing truck. in this, like, like yeah. he is huge and mm -hmm. the cab is a normal sized cab. <laughs> so he's just bouncing around and like this tree limb comes in and smacks and he's, ah! Yes. It's awesome. It was so good. Um, I, I might be wrong, but I think, I wrote this down. I hope this is the right area. At the end of this car chase uh -huh. thing, he jumps out of the truck. Yes. Takes a very long leap, but he lands perfectly fine into a swamp. And I just said... No, that's... This is no, later. Is that later? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> what happens with the truck, he... Um, the truck crashes, and he gets out, and it explodes. Okay, that's right. And he fights, like, five dudes... Like, okay. hitting him with guns and stuff. That's right. And he gets, like, knocked down, and then Bennett's there. So, like, what is the build for, like, pretending Bennett's dead? The only purpose it's, you know, it has is General Kirby, when he's giving John Matrix the rundown, is like, oh, and they even killed Bennett. Mm -hmm. That's all it's mentioned. It. Yep. So, yeah, you're... You're spot on. I'm sorry. I, I went a like, bit why, on the Why Why couldn't jump. it be... Why couldn't it be, like, Bennett's missing? Bennett's... Yep. Like, what purpose is blowing his boat up? Yeah. And like, what does that serve? You know, none. It's so weird. And Bennett, oh man, his reveal. So, I'm going to say, okay, so, you know, we get Bennett's reveal here. Uh-huh. Of course, Arnold, in his best voice, which is one of my favorites, Bennett. I love what we yeah. Bennett. Um, great entrance. And here's the thing. I think Bennett is a very homoerotic character and his nature and how he is dressed. Uh -huh. And I find this, and I'll talk about this more, I find this to also be a very interesting thing with this movie is how uh, Bennett's character is, uh, I think, very much an undertone gay character. Interesting. So uh, we get Bennett, and uh, I, I just, I, I really enjoy his character. He's wearing, like, chainmail vest over a shirt that doesn't fit with, like, a chain, like, necklace. 
and black like riding gloves. Oh, he just and like he just looks bad, but it's awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so they capture Arnold. They take him to talk to what's what's the colonel's name? So the the colonel, or the the yes. guy, the would be president, Mister Dan Hydra. His um, name is Arius. Arius. Okay, so. It seems like Arius is a guy who has political aspirations in his part of, like, you know, South America. He wants to overthrow the president. And Arnold is a trusted uh, friend of the current administration. So the plan is that John Matrix is going to go in and he's going to assassinate this president so there can be a coup and the uh, Arius or Arius or whatever can throw, you know, the government over and he could take control, you know, with Bennett and his, like, you know, mercenary hitmen. Yes. So, One thing I'll say real quick about Dan Hydea is he is an American man. He is playing someone of... South American. South American, I think. All I wrote was a fin- offensive accent. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. So, this plane goes underway, and they're like, you gotta get on this plane... We're going to send a guy with you, and we're going to make sure you murder this guy. You have, like, 12 hours till you get there, and this guy's going to check in, and once he does, like, you got to go murder this guy, and we'll let your daughter go. So, they they do that, and Arnold has some good quips in the airport. He tells uh, Sully that it's like, yo, I'm going to kill you last. Mm-hmm. And Poor Sully, man. Yeah. I mean, he had it coming, but poor Sully. I mean, he's a dickbag. So Arnold gets on the plane, and he, like, instantly just snaps this dude's neck and makes it look like he's sleeping. And he escapes the plane, and he jumps off, and this is what you were talking about. Yeah, so, okay, real quick. Um, He gets put on this plane. There is a crazy escape from Arnold off this plane. Yep. Western Airlines, bad security. Oh, that's totally. what I wrote down. He uh, just gets up and he's like, oh, you got to go to the oh, bathroom. I don't feel good. And yeah. all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's making a great escape and it's insane. Yeah. So <laughs> he's holding on to like, like the landing gear of the plane as it takes off. Yep. They're what? Like they have to be a hundred feet in the air. I would think so. And there's just a cut of like a body falling. <laughs> that's right. And then he lands in the swamp. Unharmed. All I said was, also, amazing jump into a swamp. That's all I had to say, because... The movie should have ended there. He he, he should have died. Yeah. But no. (laughs) Like... He's indestructible. Yeah. And he has tree trunks as legs. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely absurd, but awesome. (laughs) So, he sneaks back in the airport. He sees that Sully is hitting on Cindy... Like, it's just being a weird creep. Like, dude follows her around, like, to her car and is, like, just being gross. And then when she's like, oh, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. He's like, fucking whore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and he walks off. So Arnold kidnaps her. Yep. And he rips the seat out of her car. Yes. And. (laughs) Yep. It's great. So. Yeah, uh, we got Ray, Ray Don Chong. Here is Cindy. Um, she is now captive to Arnold. Uh-huh. And this is what she has to say after he takes her and, and takes her car. She goes, I got a 730 karate class and I can't help you. 
You know what Arnold says? You're not going to make it. <laughs> Great line. What? Quick question. What? How do you feel about her as a character? Her being the, you know, comedic relief. I think she's great. Yeah, so the movie seems very self-aware, and she seems to be the conduit of that, where she explains kind of, like, the dumbness that's happening. Like... Yeah. Like, there's a scene while they're driving where she's like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, you know, what's going on? And Arnold's just like, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. (laughs) And it's good stuff. Yeah, her reactions to him... It's pretty good. So, um, during all this, now, when they escape, are they in a mall first, or do they they go to a mall after? They go to a mall. They follow Sully to a mall. From my understanding, like, he's supposed to, he's supposed to meet somebody. It looked like he had a deal going on. Yeah. In a bar. Mm -hmm. And then Arnold makes Cindy go into the bar and she lets a police officer or a mall mounty, as Kirby calls them, yes, know that uh, you know Arnold's up to no good. Yeah, and they they here. I wrote this down again, and I'm sorry to any mall security guards out there, but I wrote down mall security guards really are useless. They really are. Here's a they have guns in this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know I wouldn't. You know I feel this way. Not only because of this movie, but I myself, when I was younger, we caused mischief sometimes. You caused mischief. I did cause mischief. I didn't. I had mall security guards after me. They never caught me. And I'm not really... You're not nimble. I'm not nimble. Well, I, no, you're deceptively fast. I guess, but I'm not stealthy. Yeah, just you're put not it that stealthy. Way. I changed clothes in a Sam Goodies. <laughs> I changed shirts, and they, you know, they didn't catch... Mall security guards. It's a thankless job. Are not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we lost all our mall security guards. All right. Listening. And so, so we get that. And also, you know, one thing else I'll say about this scene too is Sully. Um, well, needless to say, Sully finally gets his comeuppance, correct? Mm-hmm. And well, no, that okay. So there's a big. Big fight in the mall where the security guards are getting beat up by Arnold. Arnold, like, Sully's getting away because he's trying to make a phone call to let him know that Arnold didn't get on the plane. And Arnold has, what, 12 hours from when he jumped in the swamp. Yes. To get his daughter back. So time's a ticking and he's got to stop Sully from making this call. So Sully is in the like phone booth and Arnold rips it out of the ground and puts it over his head. Yes. <laughs> Sully escapes like through an elevator. Arnold has to cut like a balloon drape thing and do a Jackie Chan stunt. That's right. Where he like jumps onto the elevator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's a car chase. Yep. Mm-hmm. Arnold gets hit by a car. He does. Yeah. <laughs> He's fine. He's fine. He gets up and then they him and Cindy chase Sully. Yeah, and Sully is finally tracked down, and I wrote this, as you said, you know, Arnold promised Sully, he liked him, Yeah, he'd be last to go, but guess what? Rough go for Sully, he was promised he would die last, but John Matrix lied, Mm-hmm. and I laughed. <laughs> How about that? It, it's a good <laughs> joke. <laughs> it was a good joke. I'll also say, about this time of the movie, now this... 
the music is apparent the whole way through, but I really noticed the score for the first time. Like, I really was like, you know, this is a weird tropical score, but mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. I like the score in this movie. Yeah. Who? Oh, I feel like somebody of note actually did the score, like maybe a James Warner. Uh, let's, I would tell you, but I'm not going to probably, oh, James Warner. Yeah. He was the composer. Well okay. done. Yeah, so it's actually like a pretty decent score and it fits the movie. Yeah, I just thought I would mention that because yeah. I wrote that down in my notes. That's just kind of right at that moment, I guess I just really was like, yeah, I'm digging this score. Yeah. So I'm going to write that down. <laughs> so Arnold, before he kills Soul, he gets like the information that he needs, which is a, a hotel key. Yeah. So he ends up going to this hotel and do you want to take it? From here. Yeah, so, okay, this is uh, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Would you say this is one of your favorite scenes in a movie? In a movie, period, yes. So, we get this scene where we have a fight that um, occurs between Cook and Matrix. Okay, so, Cook comes to the hotel room, and, of course, you know, he's looking for Sully, right? I don't understand, like, how this network of mercenary bad guys work. Like, so Sully has to make sure Arnold gets on the plane with the other mercenary. And then Sully's got to go make this deal at a bar and then go to a hotel and meet Cook. And are we to assume Cook is going to take him to meet Bennett? And then they're going to go back to the other guy? That's what I'm assuming. what's going on here? It is very convoluted. That's probably why their plan doesn't work. That's probably true. They are not masterminds. No. For sure. So, you know, Matrix, or I'm sorry, Cook comes to this hotel, he knocks on the door, and Arnold's like, keep him occupied, I'm gonna go hide. Rips her shirt open? That's right. Yeah, make it look like you've had some relations, you know? (laughs) And so, Cook knocks on the door, she answers, like, she kind of looks like, tries to make herself look like, you know, she just had some fun. Some solely. You know, some solely fun. And Solely's in uh, the shower. You know? She's like, uh, yeah, so he's in the shower. And he's like, I need to see him. And he opens the door, walks in. Mr. Matrix is hiding behind the door. And he comes up behind Cook and just lets him have it. Yeah. And we have a fight that breaks out. I, oh, what is the line? It's like, I, I'm, this Green Beret is going to kick your ass. And then Arnold goes, I eat Green Berets eat for breakfast. Green Berets for breakfast. That's right. So this fight breaks out. And so this is the break. This this is one of the best scenes ever. Is they have this fight. The fight ends up going crazy. They bust through a wall. Yeah. Of a room next door to them, and when they bust through that wall, we see a sex scene mm-hmm. that is happening, being recorded being on a recorded. camera you tripod, see a camera being you know used, and what happens is. When you slow this down, and to those that have seen this movie, if haven't picked up on it, I would suggest you do this. The sex scene is a possible, what I like to call pegging situation here. It might be the first pegging in a Hollywood film, right? And, yes. And so what, when that occurs is when a woman uses a strap-on uh-huh. on the man. Right. Go into town on his bottom. Yeah. Okay? Now, if you pause this... Uh-huh. Second by second, right. you will clearly see when they bust through this hotel room, the blankets come over the top of them. Yes. She is behind him. She is like on her knees behind him as if she were the man in the doggy style position. That's right. It seems that 
she is um, the one in charge here, correct? I uh, <laughs> Of the situation. I mean, I like how you said that, but... Um, okay, here's my question. Um, and now you think that she's wearing a strap on because she's got a black thong on. That's right. And she's behind him. Yep. My question is, what are they filming? Because they're under the blankets. <laughs> so what okay. is the camera? Well, like, you know what? What's happening? Maybe that's a bad porno. That is a bad porn. Maybe it's, you know, they got scared about the gunshots and violence. So they're like, but they're still going at Let's it. Let's keep going, but the, put the blankets over and us that's for another protection. Thing. There are four gunshots before they break <laughs> into the next room. <laughs> so, okay. I, and they're not scared. It, it's not it's not like they were scared and right. then they break in and they're still scared. They're going at it like they're under the blankets cuz when they pop up and the blanket flies up, like she is behind him, he is on all fours. Yes. Like it looks like they were doing stuff. Yes. And so whether you agree with what I what, what we have seen or not. Um we we showed this to some of our friends recently. Right. And they were like, well, maybe. They could just be blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. This was a pegging scene. I have nothing against someone wanting to do this. I'm just saying. If it's not a pegging scene, what are they doing? Exactly. Do you think she's... If it's not a pegging scene, is she just eating his ass while jerking him? And that's the thing. But, like, my... Look, I like to imagine that this is what happens. Because she's got the thong underpants on. Uh-huh. I would assume there's a dildo on the other end of that. Right. That's that's what my mind went to. And I think if you listeners take the time to dissect this scene the way we have... Go friend by I friend. I think you will come to the same conclusion. So this brings me to this. Now, this is a ridiculous scene. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Uh-huh. But it also helps me in my theory on this film <laughs> that, again, this is a masculine film bathed in femininity. As I said before, homosexual undertones. Again, this is just a theory I have, and I think this helps with my theory. So, I find it to be a hilarious scene, but it also helps me out in my reading of the film. Well, here's the thing. I, I think that, I mean, if you just look at it from, like, a producing standpoint and stuff, the scene's probably in there because, well, it's an R-rated action movie. We probably need some boobs, right? Right. And she does show her boobs. So, but the problem with that is, like, if that's what you're doing, why was it shot the way it was? Like, why are they positioned the way they are? Right. Like, why would you ever do that? Yeah, that it's... Like, if you're just making a generic, like, oop, there's my boobs. And to me, that I'm the same way. I feel like it was a choice. Right. Like, to be shown that way. You can agree or disagree with me. That's fine. That's just my you opinion. You think we'll ever get answers? I don't think so. But I would love to ask, um, who's the director again? Uh, Mark Luster. I would love to. He still makes movies. I think they're like mostly like direct to DVD stuff now. Maybe someday I will email him. Dude, you should. And be like, hey, I'm a fan. I like the movie. I just have a question. Yeah. I'd like an answer. Because maybe it was like an inside joke or something. That's true. Maybe it was like, people are just going to think this is weird. Um, But again, while I think it is a funny scene, I do think there was a reason for it. And I'm being serious in that. So, there. No, I mean... I'm mostly troubled by the blanket and the camera. That's true. It's bad porn. It was a bad, bad... Uh, bad porn, Petey. Bad decisions on their part. So, uh, this fight ends with Arnold, like, drop-kicking Bill Duke's chest. He gets impaled by, like, Yeah, wood. so, after all this happens, they're still in the same room. 
Uh, yeah, Arnold um, finishes off Bill Duke, and yes, he is impaled in the chest. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome and awesome. Which, it is awesome. It kind of sucks because I like Bill Duke in this movie, even though he's not in it a ton. I like his character. He's always the most likable guy in any movie he's in. And I wish he would have been in it more. Yeah. He has a spectacular death. Yeah, he's awesome. So, after this, we get, uh... What is it? It's the military surplus is the next, like, sequence, isn't it? Yeah. So, they go to a military surplus store so Arnold can arm up to attack this island. And... Come to find out, these military surplus stores have, like, a secret room in the back for, like, super high-class military dudes that have rocket launchers and all these other things that they would never get their hands on. Yes. It's pretty ridiculous. It is. So, um, Arnold actually takes a bulldozer. Uh-huh. He bulldozes down the surplus city, loads up on gear, and before this happens, uh, oh man, Cindy asks him, what do you want to do? Shopping. Melanie had a funny comment on that, and when he drives the bulldozer in, the take is really long, mm-hmm. and he drives really far into the store. Was that necessary? No, <laughs> but it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, inevitably, what happens is what should happen. He gets arrested. Right. Yes. So, uh, he gets arrested, and Cindy's like, you know, I'm going to follow, and I'm going to make Sure, he gets out. Those cops do a bad job because they don't look around to see if he has any accomplices. They don't look to see, like, what's going on with his car. You know, nothing like that. They just take him and they go. So, when we get this, um, this kind of plays into a little more of my theory here. Uh, We have another gender revolt. Gender. Reversal. Reversal. Thank you. And we have Cindy. And she takes out the big rocket launcher that is taken from Surplus City. But they make her seem incompetent with it at first. That is true. Her first shot is not good. It's behind her. And then she reloads. Her second shot frees Arnold. What a dumb plan. (laughs) So she launches a missile at a car. The car tips over. Now... Keep in mind, we live in a world in this movie that cars can blow up if they just turn on their side. Correct. So she launches a missile at one. Like, (laughs) best case scenario, I guess, is what happened. But why is that the plan? Like, (laughs) like, wouldn't you just think, like, I shouldn't launch a missile at this because I could kill all three of them? Yeah. And what's... Okay, again, I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to suspend my, my disbelief here. But... She never gets in any type of trouble for releasing a rocket launcher no. in the middle of the city. No. That's true. And it's funny. I like it. <laughs> so she gets Arnold out and they go and they get to this harbor where they have to like take this plane. And she is working on getting her pilot's license. So she's able to fly him to this island where his daughter's being held. Now, here's the thing that I want to bring up. Apparently, in the original, like, they intended to have a sex scene between Cindy and John Matrix. With the pace of the film, where would this have happened? Mm. They cut it because they didn't have chemistry. That's 
<laughs> Fair question. So you have this, like... There really is no chemistry between them, any sexual energy. No. I love them together, but... Here's my like, thoughts. I think that they have sex on the plane, and it doesn't make sense because it's a tiny plane that she would have to pilot the whole time, but when they land and he's getting out into the water, yep. her hair's a little, like, kind mm. of, like, frizzier, yep. and, like, you know, they look like... They know each other. That was probably the moment. That has to be the only moment. Like, when are you taking time out of saving your daughter in those 12 hours to have sex with a stranger? That's very true. No, good point. One thing... One I'm glad th- they cut that. That was... Uh, yeah, It wouldn't sure. make sense. And one other thing I will say about that uh, plane ride is the man she talks to on the radio is no other than the great Bill Paxton. That's true. He's always showing up in Arnold films, man. Yep. This might be one of the only ones that James Cameron hasn't directed, but yeah. th- that they're in together. Yeah, so it was nice to see Bill Paxton, even if it was just for a scene. Yeah. All right. Um, the other thing, um, so after this, I guess we're going to start getting into our final uh, big battle sequence. Yeah. So there's, you have this, like, I guess kind of erotically shot thing of him getting ready. Yes. He, he comes out of the ocean with the Speedos and stuff, and, you know, he looks great. That's Arnold's right. a specimen. Mm-hmm. And he's getting ready and, like, armoring up and stuff and, like, close-ups of his muscles and putting on his, like, war paint, and it's pretty awesome. It's real good. And, uh, you know, he's ready for war. Yeah. He's armed to the teeth, like a video game character. So... Arnold makes his way to this compound. Yep. It's like a mansion that this dude's army hangs out at, I guess. Yes. And here is where we get some of the best violence of the movie, mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah, so there's lots of shots of Arnold shooting people when they're in high places and they fall. And I really <laughs> enjoy that. Yes. As we said earlier with Cobra. So, like that. Um, lots of... Like, people jumping off trampolines from grenade blasts. 100%. A lot of bodies flying. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the body count is for this film? Uh, man. Over I 100? Would, I would easily say over 100. I wrote down so many explosions, so glorious. Yeah. It's truly nuts. Yes. So, a couple of things that stand out to me, and I know to you as well. At one moment, um, Arnold goes into a shed. And that is the sequence of the film. So, yes. oh man, he, you, you just continue talking. I, I sort of interrupted. I'm sorry. No, no, man. <laughs> Not at all. I just got excited. Well, it's an exciting thing to talk about because he yeah. goes in the shed and you're like, oh no, he's getting out manned here. What's he going to do? Yeah. Out of ammo. No, and... He gets in the shed and they're all shooting at him in the shed and, and Arnold's like, I'm Arnold. I can use anything mm-hmm. to kill people with. So. Becomes like a Jason Voorhees. That's right. When all the guns stop blazing, his first weapon of choice is? Uh, he uses a pitchfork. That's right. Yeah. You see a man <laughs> come from the top of the... Sh- or, like, isn't he coming from the top Yeah, Arnold's of the coming from the top, which doesn't make sense. I guess that's how he got out of, like, the bullet's range. He comes down and he stabs dude in the chest with a pitchfork. That's right. <laughs> And then he takes, like, saw blades and throws them. Throws off. And, and it, like, scalps the dudes. Yes. You see, like, a Dawn of the Dead type scalping where it just slides off. And he, like, comes out like a horror movie villain 
axe in one hand, machete in the other. Yep. And he like, I love the way he's holding the axe in that, like just down. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like, oh, it's so brutal. He takes the axe and just freaking uppercuts the dude's dick. <laughs> and like, it, that part is not terribly graphic, but just like the way it's shot and stuff, mm-hmm. it just like, oh my gosh. Like, could you imagine just somebody just... That's right. Man, and then this dude who's, like, coming around to shoot him, Arnold takes the machete and chops his arm clean off. This is, like, (laughs) we... You're not wrong. It is, like, Dawn of the Dead gore. Dude's arm is completely cut off. It's shooting blood everywhere. And then Arnold takes the dude's arm and throws it at him. That's right. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what a vile thing to happen in a, a movie like this. Such a great scene. It's one of those scenes where, you know, you're just uh, in, you know, a perfect uh, euphoria. The carnage in that sequence doesn't make sense with the rest of the movie, but that makes it make sense because the movie is so absurd, but it it feels like a horror movie. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. these slashings and these kills are directly out of horror movies. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bloody good time. Yeah, it's so awesome. So he catches up to, like, the, you know, the bad politician guy. And, like, they have, like, a cat and mouse thing going on where Arnold's shooting at him, the dude's running, and then Arnold's got to run while the dude's shooting at him, and they switch guns, and, yep. you know, Arnold using a shotgun and stuff. And yes, he, he does a thing where he's behind cover, the guy's shooting at him, and he, he like, does a video game, like, a strafe and a roll. And is like down and shoots the dude a few times in the chest with the shotgun. You get some wonderful squib work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Blown out a window, which another like awesome death from a high place. Good stuff. Yep. So, you know, Arnold gets out of the situation and I'm going to bring this down to what this uh, movie is all climaxing towards the final countdown mm-hmm. between him and Bennett. So, Bennett has, like, an obsession with John Matrix in this movie. He he just keeps talking about how, like, he just wants to fight, and he wants to touch him, and he wants to fight him real close. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, very much so. And so, you know, I could make, if going in my theory here, you say Arnold gets all dressed up and everything, I could say that he is getting himself prepared for Bennett for their final countdown. And when I say this, when we get to Bennett, Bennett brought a knife to a gunfight. Right. To start with. Uh, Arnold looks at Bennett and he says, put the knife in me, Bennett. And a knife fight between Bennett and Matrix break out. Wait, Bennett's got a gun at first. Is it a gun first? And then he, he's got a, a gun on Alyssa okay. Milano. Mistake, Arnold's mistake. out of ammo and they're in the boiler room. Okay. So he wants the gun on gun act or the knife on knife action. Yeah, right? because Arnold is like he wants the gun yeah, away this from his is daughter. Like possibly some tor- sort of uh, I like to say big dick sexual energy between mm-hmm. Bennett and Arnold. And I believe Bennett tells him, "I'll shoot you between the balls." Uh, yeah. And then John says, "Or no, I'm sorry." And then as we get this going on, okay, we get a few like uh-huh. you know them fighting at each other and everything. Then finally. Uh, we get a big pipe, correct? At the very end of this, yeah. End, end of the, end of that. So they have like a a knife fight. That it's pretty absurd. Here's the thing: Bennett does not look like he could take Arnold in a fight. No, it, I don't think it would go well for Bennett. And I feel like that is kind of a problem for 
Arnold action movies is the guys that they put him against, like outside of like Bill Duke or like Jesse Ventura and Running Man, nobody looks like they're his equal. No, 100% right. <laughs> so I, I feel like, you know, in a lot of these movies, I feel like the villains are always kind of... Uh, less impressive sure. than the hero. Yeah, and that's that's gonna be an issue with Arnold because who really? I mean, the most impressive person to have ever probably lived. Yeah, who's gonna stand up to Arnold? Right. That is a a fair um, complaint and not one that probably. Although they could have got someone more intimidating than Bennett, but it Conan does a good job with that, and I think James Cameron does a good job with using sure. Arnold in those sorts of ways. Yes. So, at the end here, we get uh, John Matrix stabs Bennett with a pipe in the chest. Yeah. After this happens, um, it's kind of like our uh, sexual climax. As I say, as uh, Bennett uh, gets stabbed, Arnold says, let out some steam, Bennett. And Matrix finishes off Bennett just the way he wanted. The pipe going off, you know, steam coming out of him. Yes, sir. You think it's sexy. I do. And that's cool. That's just one man's opinion. Yeah, no, 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 you're not wrong. You don't, no one has to agree with this, by the way. This is just one man's crazy um, take from the film, uh-huh. which made my love for it stronger. And then one of the, the I'll, one of my last favorite quotes of the movie is after uh, Bennett's dead, Arnold yeah. takes care of everyone, General comes in and they ask, did you leave anything for us? And John Matrix says, just bodies. It's really good. <laughs> so yeah, I do you think I that uh, think that's great. You think Radon Chong is uh, Alyssa Milano's new mommy? I would say so. They ride off together in the in the helicopter, uh-huh. correct? Uh, airplane, airplane. Thank you. And uh, that's the way the movie ends. Yeah, and I think it's a great ending. And I think it's a very good movie. You 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 really like the movie. I really liked Commando. I think it's a good, entertaining movie that's really stupid. Yeah, so um, one thing I was, I was going to ask is, I don't know how, I'm guessing this movie may have not it did well financially. No, it no did. Idea. Okay, well then my question is, how did Commando not become a franchise? I don't think Arnold actually made that many sequels to his movies. He's not really like Stallone in that nature. I mean, he did like the Terminator stuff. But, I mean, you've got to think, like, Terminator 2 is James Cameron, and then by the time Terminator 3 comes around, like, it's really late in his career. Yeah. Or, you know, I know he has his, like, second run right now. But, um, and then Conan, I think, was a contractual thing, where Conan the Destroyer is, a like, a sequel, but it kind of sucks. And then Red Sonja, he was contracted to do as a Conan movie. He just didn't want to do it. Sure. So they changed the character. Right. Um... So I think maybe that has something... And of something. course, later in his career, he did do a lot of... What did he end up doing? Was it four Terminators? Y- yeah, but I... And I again, th- I understand those are much more... I mean, the first two movies are like some of the best movies right. made in that genre sure. ever. So, I mean... And three is not really bad. It's just, just like a modern action movie. But um, yeah, he doesn't really do a lot of franchises, honestly. But, and that's understandable. My but, biggest thing is, like, I just found this to be so entertaining. Like, I I wish we could have got more What Commandos. would you have liked to have seen in a Commando sequel? So, like, I, I guess if you do... This is, what, 85? So if you do a Commando sequel, 
I mean, you're thinking either late 80s or early to mid 90s. I think you have to do a Commando sequel probably before Terminator 2. Yeah, my thought of Commando sequel is, you know, pretty petty, I guess. I mean, it's just, I think it would be fun to see someone uh, just come in and just try to mess up his life again. Yeah. Not necessarily steal his daughter. Uh, maybe it could have done something else like kidnapped Cindy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, something. Yeah, yeah, Just something ridiculous. Uh, and he just has to go on another killing spree. Now, it wouldn't be anything other than just probably seeing the same things, but I think it would be fun to maybe find new ways how he could kill people mm-hmm. or, you know, new action scenes and just watch Arnold destroy. Now, in your ridiculous notions of... Uh you know, like Cobra being a sequel to Rocky IV. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't you say that Predator could be a sequel to Commando? That's very maybe, true. Maybe he changes his name to Dutch yeah. and gets a new super team. That is true. And they go hunting, uh, you they know, villains in South yeah. America. Yeah. No, you know, because really, the cool thing about that movie is the first half of it does feel like Commando, where yeah. you've just got all this machismo and... The action scene before the Predator even gets there is pretty awesome, where he's just killing soldiers. Yeah. Stick around. That's right. Great one-liners as well. A lot of people getting blown off of tall structures. Yes. You got Carl Weathers in there. Man, Predator is a great freaking movie. Yeah, Predator rocks. So, yeah. (laughs) um, You know, the good thing is, is even though there weren't sequels to this, there were many other Arnold action movies you can watch. Oh, yeah. And so, I get that. I, I just I really like I, I character think, a lot. Yeah, and John Matrix is a really good name. I don't think you could do Commando now after The Matrix. Right. Which is also produced by Joel Silver. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think it could have been a good franchise. Um, it's just... You know, honestly, that run of 80s action movies that I think we think of when we think of 80s action movies, I don't think it lasted as long as people think. Right. No, that's a good point. Because, I mean, this is one of the first ones like this. And, you know, by, what, 87, you've already got Lethal Weapon, 88's Die Hard. Mm -hmm. So, like, that run of crazy actions, just, it's pretty short. Yeah. No, good point, for sure. Um, Okay. Well, uh... You know, since we're talking about Arnold and Stallone and stuff, do you have a favorite movie or character of theirs that they portray? Ooh, okay, well... I know this is like a tough one to spring on you. Yeah, sure. Um, Arnold-wise, I mean... Man, I don't know. I'll, I like most of Cameron's stuff. Terminators are great. Um, yeah, for him, I, you know, I really flip back and forth on like the first Terminator and Conan. Yeah, I've never seen Conan, so that's something I need to see. Um, True Lies is something oh, I like a lot. Oh, that movie's really good. Um, I actually... I haven't seen them in years, so I'm sh- sure they're probably not great. But I liked a lot of his dumb '90s stuff, like Dude, uh, Eraser. Eraser. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that. I love him in um, uh, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a lot of good stuff. You know, I think I. I mean, I think both of them, but Arnold definitely makes some like interesting choices acting, like doing like these sci-fi action mm-hmm. films. You know, right. with uh, James Cameron, Paul Verhoeven, yep. like. He's working with, like, these visionaries, and I think that's so interesting. Yeah, and he did some weird stuff, too. Like, wasn't there, like, a movie, End of Days, like, where yeah. he's facing demons and like, like he, that? Yeah, it's like, I think it was Gabriel Byrne. That's like right. Satan or something. Yeah, that's another kind of weird one. Um, as far as uh, Stallone goes, I mean, I'll always love the Rocky movies. Uh-huh. You know? what, what's your favorite? Um, in, in real life. The first Rocky, but <laughs> I like to pretend that Rocky Four is my favorite. Okay, I... 
you got it here recorded. He's recognized that Rocky the First is the best <laughs> film in the franchise. But uh, but I do have a, a soft spot in my heart for Rocky Four. Yeah, Rocky's awesome, man. Um, I mean, I th- I think the first Rocky's probably you know Stallone's best uh, work as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good in Creed, though. And I it, uh, sadly I hate to say that I have not watched Creed yet. So that's one I, I did uh, enjoy uh, Rocky Balboa a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Creed is something I need to catch Man, up with. Man, Stallone's like early '90s runs really good. I really liked uh, Cliffhanger. Uh, Demolition Man's awesome. Daylight, like those are some mm. pretty solid films. Yeah. Um, yes, I mean he's as with Arnold, he's entertaining to watch. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So good times. Yeah, they're definitely probably the best of their type of star. Like as far as like action stars go, you can't get much better than these two. Yeah. All right, so on uh, Commando, what is your final rating on Commando? Man, I think I gave it like two and a half stars. I think it's a really good movie, or okay, I think it's not a very good movie, but I love it a lot, if that makes sense. Like, it's, there's some really dumb stuff in it, and maybe some of the stuff's edited poorly and not shot the best. I think that both those complaints are fair. I'm going to go with between a three and three and a half star rating, because I really found the movie entertaining. And I agree there are a lot of mishaps in some of the way the action shot the editing. But I will say I found it very interesting on uh, not only um, uh, some film theories as far as gender roles Mm -hmm. and uh, some gay film theories um, and also feminist film theories as well. I can't remember what these film theories I've looked at are called, but I would suggest looking into queer, I'm sorry, queer theory. Um, I would suggest looking into queer theory and I would also suggest uh, looking into uh, something like uh, gender, gender bending. So um, yeah, check that stuff out. If uh, you probably completely disagree with me, but if you don't, I think it's something that could be quite useful. And that's why I had a strong reaction to commando because I, think there is a lot to dissect from the film. Well, and I think it's always good if you can look at a movie, you know, under a different scope and stuff. Like, like you said, you know, it gave you a greater appreciation for the film being able to, you know, apply these theories to it. And stuff. I'll admit, like, going in, like, <coughs> I I watched Commando when we were younger. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't remember it very well, but, like, I was just going into it ready to be just, you know, entertained, I guess. And I found something deeper there, and that really... Uh, up to my appreciation for the film. So. Yeah, I, the movie is really self-aware as far as, like, its type of action goes, and I do appreciate that. It, it's really just, um, it's a silly movie that's just fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad you picked these two this week, man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's been real, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Have a blessed day. Peace.